Hey there, friends. Welcome to Having a Blast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle. Today is part two of my conversation with Todd Anderson of the Dear Misses, and today we do a deep dive of the seminal album, the third album, from Irvine, California's Thrice, the legendary Thrice. This is a legendary album, and we could have done a deep dive on the illusion of safety. That was a really monumental and pivotal record for the scene. They definitely exploded in popularity after the unpredictable success of the illusion illusion of safety. They then went to sign to Island Records, a major label, and they put out The Artist in the Ambulance on July 22nd, 2003. Today we do a deep dive of the album, what it means, how it has stood the test of time, and we talk a little bit about a lot of things involving the lyrics, the themes of the lyrics, the socioeconomic and political climate of our country and the world, and they were singing about these themes. Dustin was grappling with some of these themes and that was all intertwined with I think his experiences with growing up in the church and we talk a lot about that and just talk about how this album has only gotten better with time. We also talk about how the lyrics have taken on new meanings for us as we get a little bit older and I think when you get a little bit older you become a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more empathetic. That's the hope anyways. I know for me this record it definitely has more lasting value as time rolls forward and I can appreciate and understand the complexity of the questions that Dustin Kinzer is asking in these records and I think Todd shares that sentiment with me and we talk about it. The first time I ever saw Thrice was at the Bottleneck in Lawrence, Kansas. They were opening for punk band Anti-Flag which is kind of crazy to think about now but I'll never forget Tepe came out and he was doing the riff from Identity Crisis and he had that gorgeous Black Beauty triple double humbucker Gibson Les Paul all black and I was immediately hooked from that point on. It was a lot of fun talking about Thrice and and what this band means to the both of us. I hope you enjoy it. This is a lot of fun. Really enjoyed having a conversation with my buddy Todd about Thrice. And if you haven't already, check out the first episode we did. We talk about being in bands and just being creative. That was part one. This is part two. Without further ado, this is the deep dive discussion with my buddy Todd from the Dear Misses about Thrice's The Artist in the Ambulance. kind of getting there in your lineage and your story with 03 that warp tour because that was yeah. probably a pretty pivotal moment for you yeah that was when your horizons were expanded at yes. that point do you remember yeah. the first time you heard thrice was it at that warp tour yeah did you see him that was That's it. it well unfortunately i mi- i saw the last two songs okay and they played first and oh. <laughs> i remember where'd you we, see the warp uh, tour? which warp tour it was in Wichita at like Wichita Greyhound Park, the dog tracks or something. Yeah. And I I was stating this girl named Sarah and uh, Sarah Bartley. I told her if I ever won a Grammy that I would thank her because that was sort of when I zeroed in on being in a band and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But she was in a group of kids that were getting into the 2001, 2002. There was a lot of this, like you said, epitaph, a lot of this great, rich, awesome stuff they had their hands on. And so I was going to HCC, a Hutch Community College. I remember we went to the Warp Tour. We were driving up there with a kid that I grew up with was dating a mutual friend of Sarah's. So we all went together with a few of their friends. And I remember we stopped at McDonald's to get something to eat. And I'm looking at my, I don't know if I was wearing a watch, but I was looking at the time and 
I really like to be there for the start of a show. And they're like, oh, it's just the first band. It's not going to matter. And Mm -hmm. to think that I almost missed it. So I remember I was pushing everybody out the door because I was like, we're going to miss the start of the show. This is insane. Why do you guys want to do this? And I was sort of like the adult in the group that was raining on their sausage McMuffin parade. But (laughs) so funny enough, that same year, I think Cody... His band was playing. They got enough votes to play the Ernie Ball stage or something. Ernie Ball. Yep. Yeah, Game Time actually played that one too. Nice. And I remember Cody was really excited for that. And their band could not have been more opposite than Warp Tour. And looking back on it now is so funny. But back then they were, it was a really big deal. So that was like the other half of the reason I was going was for that. Okay. So went up with them and we walked up, we were in line right when we got in, you could start to hear the music and we were walking up to the stage one and I'm pretty sure that they were the first band. If not, they were the second band and we missed the first band completely. Mm -hmm. But just to set up the scene, I walked up to it and I looked over at Sarah and then I looked over at Nick, who my friend was, and I was sort of like looked concerned. And so they're like, what, what's wrong? And I was like, who is this? It was really important that I knew who this was. And they were in the middle. I think that they were playing something from Artist, but it was the month before Artist came out. So I was doing some research and I think that they only played two or three songs before that album came out in rotation. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what those were. And I don't remember what that song, I just remember I was walking up and they were playing and they ended with Kill Me Quickly. And he said, thanks for Thrice. And And I said, Thrice. And I remember saying in my head, Thrice, Thrice, Thrice 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 and i said it over and over <laughs> again i even kept my fingers like this for like hours and hours and hours to look down and look at three for thrice the three sign yeah and it was sort of i remember distinctly saying you can do that nobody understood what i was talking i was like you can do that and i was so floored and i remember the used was there that day i think messed bowling for soup yeah. afi glass jaw um glass jaw story of the year story of the year i don't know if they were were they in 03 i remember seeing them in 04 they and were was crazy. Yeah, in 03, they were playing in a tiny tent. They were playing the Kevin Says tent at the time. It wasn't a stage that year, I believe. It may have been a stage that year. We played the Kevin Says stage in 2002. It was an actual stage. And then I think they downgraded it to a tent. And Story of the Year was playing it, but they were relatively unknown because their record hadn't come out yet. But I had heard the one song, Until the Day I Died. They had released that like six months before as a demo. I think... They recorded that before the rest of the record so that they could get signed. Because at that time, John Feldman was recording bands and then he was also acting as A&R for Warner and I think another label, Mojo. Or forget the name of the label. It was owned by Madonna, but it was a subsidiary of Warner. Yeah. But yeah, that was a great year. 2003 was a good year. Yellow Card played a few dates that year. They didn't play the whole thing. I remember Burt from The Used was, that show was, I think they closed it. No, I think The Offspring played that year and they were going to play, it played the end and we left before The Offspring played because everybody I was with was just the heat. Yeah. Everybody was just dying. They were over it. Yeah, we got to (laughs) go. I was like, are you sure you don't want to see The Offspring? I was all about it because I grew up with The Offspring. But yeah, yeah, with Thrice. And then I went home and on LimeWire, the only... Real quick, not to cut you off. I think the only two songs, I don't even know why I remember this, but I remember because... We were on Warp Tour. I was watching Thrice a lot that year. And I think the two new songs that they were playing were Under a Killing Moon and All That's Left. I Okay, yeah. It must have been another song then. I think it might have been To Awake and Avenge the Dead or something they were playing when we walked up. They definitely and, uh, like to play that one quite a bit. They opened... I was watching a set they did the other day in 03 from another city. And there's not much of their sets. They did, 
and I'm so sad because I wish I could just find, I wish I could find a full set list just to see if I can see if I could reconnect to that feeling. But anyways, I went home and got on LimeWire and I looked for thrice and the only thing available was stuff from first impressions. Oh, wow. Okay. Their first CP. It didn't do it any, I was sort of like, this didn't sound familiar. And I remember I was scouring the internet. Well, whatever the internet was then I remember like, I don't think there was Google. I didn't know how to find anybody. I was felt like an old dude at this kid's party. And I felt sort of like, well, I'm 19, 20 year old. And there's a lot of 16, 15, 16 year olds. So I felt out of place because I like tool and I like, yeah, I just was into that. And so I saw, again, it was a quick glimpse. And I sent you this link the other night of that MTV special they did. Yeah, I watched it last night. It was great. And I caught the last song of that. And I was like, oh, thrice, that's thrice. And so, and it was at like two in the morning. And I couldn't turn my TV up. I didn't have headphones. I mean, basically, it was just a little box. And I had uh, my dad let me have cable upstairs. This was a time now everybody's got everything at their phone. This was sort of like I had to capture it and I couldn't listen to it loud. I didn't get the full effect. Yeah. So then I remember some time went by Mm -hmm. and we were listening to the girl I was dating and her friends. They didn't listen to Thrice at all, but they did listen to a lot of the stuff that was getting popular. So I was starting to get into that music Mm -hmm. almost sort of begrudgingly because I didn't get it yet. I just didn't get it because I didn't have that band that sort of put their arm around me and was just, okay, let's go this way. And I bought, I think it was either for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. I went out to Target to buy a CD to take on this trip I had to take to see my family. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I got to get a new CD. And I saw Thrice because Target had started to actually feature those alternative, those, that new wave of like punk, post-punk, post-hardcore, hardcore, hardcore, like that emo bands that they sort of had a shelf for them because kids were coming in looking for that shit. So they got smart and Target had a section for it. I it's called, it was like emerging artists or something section. And they had a special label for it. I remember I saw thrice. I was like, cool. And I had both albums in my hand. I had illusion of safety and artist. And I was just like, I'll just get the newest one. And it was snowing outside and I got it and put it in the CD player. And I didn't leave the parking lot until like song nine or 10. (laughs) And snow had accumulated on my windshield. And it was just this thing of like, it was everything. I mean, it was everything. Hit me bigger than the Black Album ever did. It was, it was everything. You I mean, were did able you to have, crank it too, right? Yeah, and it sounded really good. Did you have that? I mean, I can't. I'm so jealous of all your experience and stuff. Did you get to meet? <laughs> did you get to meet them and stuff? Did you get to on the tour on the Warped Tour? We did get to meet them on Warped Tour. They were really, really nice dudes. Our drummer, they were his favorite band. So he was he was borderline obsessed. He probably would still say they're his favorite band to this day. So we did have the opportunity to meet him on Warped Tour, and it was a lot of fun. And they were really nice guys. Very soft-spoken, as you can imagine, if you've ever yeah. seen any interviews and things. Do you remember when you heard it for the first time in your car, you left Target and you put it in the CD player? Did it measure up to the excitedness and the... Yeah, it did. The, the expectations that you had after seeing live did it give you the same feeling the same way of a feeling listening to it recorded yeah it absolutely did i remember cool. hearing because i listened to the extent of like yelling deftones mm-hmm. pantera people call it yelling people call it screaming people call it mm-hmm. whatever it is I, whatever you want to call it just that yelling thing nobody lit a candle to that and mm-hmm. i remember listening to cold cash colder hearts and waiting for it 
because I heard it in Kill Me Quickly at the Warp Tour. I heard him. I heard what came out of the microphone. I was like, it sort of bear hugged me. You know that scene in Goodwill Hunting, like where he's like, yeah. "It's not your fault." Yeah. He's like, "Don't do, don't do that to me. It's not your fault, kid." <laughs> and then he just cried. Scream. That was that did that to me. That sound just it hugged me. It was just yeah. like it's it's gonna be okay. And you found your thing. This is your thing. So yeah. I just remember it sounded huge in the in the car. I remember the CD case was really awesome. It was, it was had, interesting, right? It was almost like a piece of art. Yeah, they had the pull-out cards. You could change the way that the cover was. There was like all the pictures. The, yeah, for I, each was, song. Yeah, so there was a, I think it was a special edition, but they had a run of CDs that I, I apparently got that you could pull the, it, it wasn't a, a traditional CD jewel case yeah. trifold thing or something. It was just, right. car, it was like cards and then you could see the art, the picture and flip uh-huh. it over and then it had the lyrics and then the it had all, the songs. all four band members wrote a little blurb about the song and how it was came together and i was just like i think i spent a lot of time in the car reading those while i was listening to the song and then absolutely in preparation for this i was researching and it reminded me that they did that was a special edition the fact that they had the cards that would pull out for each individual song and you're right they literally had each band member talking about the recording of the song the composition the song lyrics meanings and i wish i still had that because i would have loved to have read that i was actually looking up some of the meanings behind some of the words and you kind of have your own interpretations to some of the lyrics but there was different photography too that came along with each card stock yep for each song and i'm just thinking man why don't bands do that now like some sort of digital version of that why not do a video where you're each explaining the song meanings i know there's an element of mystery that bands want to maintain but that was such a cool unique experience with the music that I think you tend to lose in the age of streaming and mp3s it was a part of it it was great that's a whole different podcast I mean to be honest with you like the specialness of that and yeah holding something tangible but like I remember going through that and I remember I was just I kind of looked up and there was snow on my windshield again I had just scraped it off and then I listened to it in the car on the way there and then when I got to my aunt's house I went into their basement into the dark and put the headphones back on and I listened to it over and over and over. And I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't see, I, I wasn't wise to like, what record label is this on? Who else assigned to this record label? I had, that, that didn't mean anything to me. I was very novice at understanding how to go and find music like it. I'm sort of that ADHD, like I'm, how do I put this in a way that doesn't seem too crazy, but I, I, if, if something works for me, I don't see a reason to go and get 12 other things like it. It's sort of like I have the thing and Mm -hmm. it works. I don't need anything else. I mean, there was a lot of times where there's people that eat all their mashed potatoes and then eat all of their vegetables and then eat all of their whatever all of, you know, and there's some people that just mix it all up. There's just different types of people. And I just, yeah, I was that, that one food kind of guy. I just needed, I didn't think about branching out too much, but I remember also I showed my girlfriend at the time, I was talking to her about it and that's how I got into story of the year and the used and yellow card and all those other great bands. So eventually, I mean, I welcomed that and I had a CD case full of CDs and stuff, but I just, I would, I would obsess over it and it would just consume me. But that's when I started to write. Yeah, absolutely. It became like a focal point, right? Absolutely. And I started to, so if you break this album down song by song, it has everything. I remember knowing I was trying to write down feelings of when I first heard it and what I thought. And I was just immediately like, they've got to be from California. And it sounded like California. California to me. It just sounded like the coast. There was really? this, 
there was this ocean. I just got this ocean, Southern California sun feeling from that. It just felt, and that was that Blink-182. That was the no FX. That was the, that influence. Mm-hmm. I caught that punk rock influence. Cause I remember getting in the state and loving that and listening to that all the time. Yeah. And like I said, like, I didn't know that they had other records. I didn't know that they had five other records before that, but I listened to that one. So you're saying you could hear the Blink-182 Southern California skate punk influence in the artist in the ambulance as well? Okay. Good. That's cool. I picked up on that, right? But I remember like hearing the riffs and like on um, Under a Killing Killing Moon, Moon. I'm still obsessed with writing a song like that. I think it's one of the most perfectly written rock songs. It has everything in it. Mm -hmm. It's just this one-two punch of the riff in it is insane. It was harder than bands that hung their hat on their career. They did their their career was those sorts of riffs. Just blew it out of the water. And then it would yeah. go to this chorus and it made you feel good because it did have an error of major in it. It was definitely a lot of minor stuff, but it had this lift, mm-hmm. the, the chorus lift. Yeah. Like in the song Hallelujah, you know, he's saying that for a reason. Who's who sang Hallelujah? Leonard Cohen. Leonard but Cohen, he says, Buckley. right, and, and the major lift. It's like that. They just, I'm sort of speechless talking about it because I don't know yeah. how to put it into words, but the choruses were, were perfect. It just felt like the melody was there. And then I started to really dig into this lead guitar over a verse. And it wasn't just sort of a, a weird sounding flanger. It wasn't just this, like, it wasn't a something stock. It wasn't something that's already been done. It felt very fresh. And yeah. like, so people who don't play music or don't have that background versus you tend to have like the bass guitar carrying the chord change and you have mm-hmm. the verse the verse chord change and then sometimes the chord change in the verse is the same in the chorus but they had this great punk rock palm mute stuff and then they mm-hmm. had this great open stuff but then tepe had this lead guitar on the top of it mm-hmm. and i thought that that was just insane yeah. um he played wonderful wonderfully creative tapping and mm-hmm. just metal riffs over pop verses and that's insane right like who would have thought that's what i'm saying is like i could open my kitchen door or refrigerator and just start pouring all sorts of contents into a cup and drink it and it's going to taste like shit but i have this (laughs) who who would have thought to do that and i i actually got to interview tepe when they came through lawrence for a website called midcoast station and i asked him and he just seemed like he just sort of shrugged it's like "I, i don't know i was like how did you do that how did you come up with that? Who did you listen to? He's just like, it just kind of happened. And that's pretty cool. They, he seemed pretty humble about it. But it wasn't like, yeah, yeah we we listened to Metallica, then we listened to Botch, and then we listened to Deftones, and then we listened to Glassjaw, and we just sort of like thought that this would be cool. They just didn't plan on that. It was one of those, that's another reason that I really liked that album is the stars just aligned yeah. with what they were doing. So There's a lot to be said about timing and momentum, and they were heavy but also really melodic and just really intelligent. When I think of Thrice, I think of a time span, time tested, intelligent band. And it's interesting that you said you could hear the Southern California influence in that because I felt sort of far removed from that because I felt like what they were doing was juxtaposed from the pop punk elements. I could hear the pop punk elements, but it was a little bit darker, obviously. His tone, his voice, his voice when he sings. He's got, I don't think you could get that with Billy Joe. Like, I don't know if he had more of a British punk thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had this, yeah. the way that they sang and the, the rhythm of the rhythm guitar. Right. But 
when Dustin would sing, it sounded like a punk singer. And yeah. that punk and that dialect in there mm-hmm. is very Southern California. I just could yeah. hear his inflection. And in I think that might be a yeah. lot of where I got it from was his, just his Absolutely. voice in general. And he had grit, you know, he has incredible grit, but Thrice is from Irvine, California. They're from San Diego, essentially, which is the same area that Blink-182 is from. Blink is from San Diego. Yeah. They signed a subsidy which was a subsidiary of Hopeless Records at the time. And they're a California label too, Hopeless is. And they grew up on skate punk. They grew up on No Effects and Fat Records and Epitaph and Bad Religion and all those things. But they also listened to, as you said, the hardcore bands. And I remember reading an interview a long time ago where Tepe, he said he wrote the riff in Under a Killing Moon after listening to a lot of Kill Switch Engage. So he was listening to a lot of poppy metal at the time. So it kind of lends itself to the idea of, they were sort of an anomaly of influences. Thrice is kind of an anomaly band in general, but you're right. The timing and the fact that they were able to capture the momentum of what was happening at that point, because the illusion of safety was a, a game changer too. That was the first time you took traditional hardcore elements and infused them with pop punk, emo, and skate punk, essentially. I mean, there's a lot of double time beats in that, in that album. Yeah, and metal too. Yeah, just that double time that yeah. they were doing it. And that was what was so cool. And I think a lot of people were latching onto that, the fact that it was darker and it was more aggressive, but it still had those elements of the pop punk, which is kind of crazy to think about a band like no effects influencing a band like thrice because they seem so far removed at the same time when i look back at 1994 to 2003 it feels like so many things happened in that span of time but it really wasn't that long in between i mean it was literally not even a decade it was nine years which is just crazy to think about but the artist in the ambulance it was heavy melodic and intelligent record do you remember latching on to any of the lyrics from the album because the lyrics are impressive i mean dustin's a lyrical i i mean he's no, just a virtuoso when it comes to lyrics you kind of having a hiccup on how to describe it is is sort of like i was trying to think about that today a little bit i i was thinking of what he says versus like what i had heard previous i never really like identified with not very much and if i did again it, it wasn't as deep as with dustin but like with uh his lyrics versus so, sort of the lyrics that were really like sorrowful and sort of self-loathing and sort sort of like this if it was negative it was sort of like me 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 which is or an airing is, of grievances right right and i have i did identify with i was floored because he was singing sort of to the politics and to just reason and truth and mm-hmm. stuff i hadn't heard so bluntly and they were my age and it felt like it felt like somebody i would want to have a conversation with yeah they didn't seem stuck up their own ass they seemed really genuine i for the most part i think that i did grab respond to the political content first like cold cash colder hearts it's like they are no one and they're sick they're poor and they die by the thousands and you look away away. and it's like whether i want to say i'm a lyric person or not you have to hear you hear that very loudly you hear that very it makes you you kind of look at yourself like you just it makes you think and i think the introspective part of like him looking at those sorts of issues while sort of searching for truth. There's like stare at the sun. There's abolition of man, I think was my favorite lyrics out of the bunch. Yeah. I did like under a killing moon, like when he says, well, watch the witches burn and like the context that he's singing that in, it stuck with me very much. I think that 
I, I wish I could speak more eloquently to it, but it's just because I'm thinking of each and every song has its own personality. And there's the Melting yeah. Point of Wax, which is based off of uh, Icarus and, mm-hmm. and Daedalus. And then there's the, but I remember seeing them live on the Visu tour. That was the first time I saw them. And I think you said you were there, right? At the Beaumont Club? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was and I definitely had gotten there late. I didn't get there late I, as far as like when the first band came on, but Under Oath was opening for them. And I don't yep. know if there was a band before Under Oath. Do you remember that yeah, band? Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was a couple of bands on that tour. I'm trying to think who else played. But that was the first chance I had Under to see Oath. them. Yeah, that was a great show. It was sold out. And I, I there was a lot of people there. It was sort of fate. Do you remember how the line would go up the street? I think it was the line yeah. was like, I don't know if it was the south side or the north side, but it was the south side over by Westport so, Coffee House. Yeah. So you would have to stand in line and you have to go all the way back. And I remember yeah. coming in on the opposite side because I'd park over there because there was, I would always find parking on that street. And then the line had just gotten let in and nobody, mm-hmm. I just went for it and I just, I cut the line and I I just, I was, well, I was by myself. That's the thing is like, I asked you that I'd asked you earlier about sharing your music with people. I just didn't have that crowd to go with. Mm -hmm. And the people that I did have to go with were working. It's just like I was in school and I could sort of live off my student loans, whether I should have or not, I could take a night off to go see thrice. So I cut into that line and nobody cared. I just walked right in and I got into the front row. And I remember Spencer, Spencer, I remember Hawk, a gigantic loogie on my shoulder after they he had screamed. And I remember <laughs> he like looked at me and just, and just, just a snot rocket on my shirt. And I remember just being like, I've got to, I have to wipe this off with my bare hand here. And I just had to act like that, that didn't happen. And that yeah. he definitely looked at me in the eyes and did not care. But I remember Dude. Dustin getting up on the, the abolition of man. They you got into the crowd, right? Yeah. Back when they would do that, he, he would grab the mic on the stage, wake up everyone. It's not too late. And I'm screaming it and I'm by myself. I don't got to worry about anybody else. And I was sort of happy that I came by myself and I was really excited. And this was the yeah. first year that, that camera phones came out or the first camera phone I had at the end when he would get into the crowd, like Chino Moreno style and just get on the guardrail and yeah. do. The I last think it was during line. To Awake and Avenge the Dead, right? Well, he I think he did at the end of when he says the abolition of when he's screaming that at the end, the abolition of man is within the reach of yeah. science. I think that was the song. And I got my yeah. phone out because I was getting crushed. Yeah. And I I snapped a picture. I was cleaning out some stuff the other day and I gotta find a charger for that phone, but I think that picture's on there. But I yeah, dude, find it. I, I've got to, but it was just like a yeah. I was just, I was right there. I got, I, I was holding his leg, helping him stand. Yeah. And I just remember that was like, that was everything. Yeah. It was crazy. The, that was a great show. You want to know who else opened? I just looked it up. All right. It was the Bled and Veda who became Vedera from Kansas City. It's Kristen's band. I don't remember the Bled being the Bled. That's yeah, is the that Bled, weird. The, they opened that store. They were the other two bands that were there. It was a Kansas City band called Veda. I remember Veda the because they had that. So they had that one. They had a really big song. What was mm-hmm. it? It was on their first record. I know Veda, and then they changed it to Vedera or something. Yeah, because I think there was another band called Veda. Yeah, that was a great tour. That was a good tour package for them I probably made him a lot of money but going back to the lyrics I think the lyrics are more prominent in my mind now more sort of influential and timely I think of the socio and political climate that we're in now and I think wow they were really smart to have the foresight to be singing about these socio-political themes back then and they were asking a lot of questions it was almost like Dustin was looking around seeing that things weren't as glamorous as he maybe had been led to believe they would be. And I'm wondering if that 
happened because he grew up in the church and maybe the church painted this rosy picture or maybe it was just the fact that he was becoming an adult and he was coming into his own and he was thinking i don't see equality in terms of how people live their lives not just nationally but globally because he is talking about american privilege and cold cash and colder hearts He's talking about the privilege that we're all experiencing to more or less degrees. And some people would probably argue that it doesn't even exist, but it tends to be looking out. There is an element of being introspective, but he's also asking questions outwardly. Look at all of the travesties that are going on out in the world. Why aren't we talking about this? What does it mean? Why are we ignoring this? And why are we burying our heads in the sand about it? So I go back and I listen to that song now, and it's almost like it hits me harder now as an adult. Just because he had that really relevant, he had that empathy muscle and that compassion already baked in. And there has to be a reason for that. There has to be a reason in his upbringing, because I think he does find himself conflicted with theology and how we express that as human beings today. And he writes about it all the time. I mean, if you look at the lyrics of the entire Thrice catalog, He's been writing about that since the inception of the band. But does that translate to you now? Does that asking the questions and just the themes within the record? I feel like it's more important to me now than it was back then. Back then I was listening to the melodies and just the aggression in his voice, but I don't think I was really connecting to the words. But now I look at it. Wow, this guy had some fortitude to have some foresight to think about things beyond himself and beyond his country. No, absolutely. I had, I was just thinking of the lyric, to be at peace would be a sin and surely un-American. I'm yeah. breaking down. I think it's amazing that something was written that was sort of waving back in the early 2000s, like with music and with pop culture. It was a gigantic distraction to the validity of concern to the state of our country. Mm-hmm. So you have Saturday Night Live and you have musicians that are really popular, actors and actresses all the way down to Dustin Kensrue saying there are people saying something, whether it is to say, well, I'm on the side and I need you to see me say this. So, you know, that I'm that person. There was that. And I think that that really, you can see through that. So when we were in the Iraq war and we, it was sort of blanketed in this nine 11 thing. And this is, that's a whole different conspiracy theory rabbit hole that I, that I have looked into myself because I'm, it is sort of infuriating to think of how this machine works, right. And how violent it is and how it's to yeah. prevent violence and it's to prevent us from getting hurt but what at, at what cost and right. we don't and we don't have to see the people people in different countries suffer and we have it really good we have it really 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 good and yeah. it's not to say that I'm not thankful but it's not to say like hey maybe we could take a, a look at this and then it sometimes it takes hearing it through his mouthpiece and when he yells like again like with that it just it even talking about it makes me almost emotional about it because yeah. when somebody's playing an instrument and you can feel it that's one thing but then when somebody's just yelling it it like especially with me it really resonates Keith There's Buckley conviction there. right like Keith Buckley for example I know that he means every word that he says whether it's smarmy or sarcastic or literal or whatever I, I can tell his soul is in there like Chino Moreno can do that really well and then there's Dustin yeah I remember a friend of mine said it, it sounded like he swallowed fiberglass insulation before he did that. Like <laughs> it, it, how did he yell? He, he yells better than any, the growl and rasp in his voice is better than pound for pound is, is my favorite yeah. in music history. And yeah. uh, when, when he yells that stuff, it really nails down the point. That was the power in the hardcore. When I first heard screaming, I didn't really understand. But then I read the lyrics. I was drawn to the power of it. 
and the power of screaming and there's conviction there. And obviously Dustin is a man of conviction. He's trying to do the right thing. He's an introspective person for sure. Were you, and, uh, did you relate with the religious dichotomy? Did you? It's funny because at the time I was in a band with three other devout Christians and I was sort of being exposed to that because I didn't grow up in the church. I wasn't a part of any organized religion as a kid. So it was all relatively new to me, but I definitely think I spun the lyrics in my own interpretations that were separate from any type of leanings towards traditional Christianity or the church. It had more of a spiritual aspect to it, an interconnectedness, like we're all connected. But then I also probably wasn't smart enough to recognize some of the metaphors and some of the words too, because there's a lot of metaphors in this record in The Artist in the Ambulance. Even The Artist in the Ambulance, that song, I listen to it now. I assume he's referring to God when he says the one in the ambulance. And whenever he is in a car crash, that's like when he makes a mistake or gets really down on himself or goes through something traumatic and he needs the artist to uplift him in some way and take care of him. That's sort of how I interpret it now. But I think you could also just think of it very literal in terms of this guy was in a car accident and he was resuscitated and he's having mixed feelings about his place in the world afterwards. So I always listen to quote unquote Christian bands or bands that had Christian leanings, but I never was, Yeah, I never he had, had a good philosophy. The philosophy. I never was turned off. He had a, a way of taking the philosophy in Christianity and I'm not, I'm sort of, I guess, agnostic. I don't know if that's a cop out. I think that I have my own opinions and that's for another conversation. Sure. And I respect everybody's, I think that if religion serves you to be a better person, that you should do that. I remember really looking into the lyrics and realizing this is a guy that's for a while thought he was questioning Mm -hmm. his Christianity, but I think he was questioning Christianity as a whole, as like a society. There is a lot of truth seeking in this. And I thought it might have had to do like, well, where do we come from truth? But I think it was more like the literal truth of why are we so violent? Why do we seek out these things that we preach that are wrong? Why are, how do these things work in some sort of this paradox? Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. He's also able to, in later albums, he's able to take, I think when he was able to make peace and and sort of understand that us as individuals as a unit as the world can make a change. But if you put too much of that onto your own shoulders and start to really just obsess over like, why can't we all just blah? And I can relate to that. Yeah, it can drive you crazy, right? You just have to make peace with it. I think he, in the later albums, he does reference the Bible and Christianity in a way that's very inviting to people Mm -hmm. who just want to plain and simple, whether it be peace, whether it be love or happiness or spirituality or spirituality or philosophy. And like, I think he's doing a podcast now that just mix mixes all that. It's just like, well, we all have different ways of thinking and those those can coexist. And I was a dude in high school, grade school, high school and college who felt very misunderstood, felt very confused, mm-hmm. felt very alienated with my group of friends. I felt like I was different, whether that was is me projecting or it was, no matter what that was, hearing somebody in an album like that, where the music sonically feels perfect, mm-hmm. like the riffs, the choruses, mm-hmm. the verses, the, the layering, <laughs> the production. And then you listen to the words and you're like, I get it. I get what you, I get what you're saying and it makes yeah. you not feel so alone. And that's, yeah. that's really powerful. You knew that he was questioning and that's something 
that's part of the human condition. Everybody's questioning yeah. the universe around them in, in certain regards and whether it be metaphysical or just very literal. And I do think he was questioning the theology early on in those records. There's something about accessibility when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're seeking to understand before being understood. There's that old Stephen Covey adage where it's effective, the seven habits of highly effective people seek to understand before being understood which is a difficult thing for human beings because we all just want to be heard and we want to be accepted and we want to be understood. But asking questions is a very easy, approachable, accessible way to have a conversation with somebody to where you can hopefully then come to some good and worthwhile determinations. So he's not necessarily saying, hey, the world is completely screwed up and it's our fault. It's very pointed. He can say either it's your fault or it's our fault, but either way it's pointed. But instead he's doing the more intelligent thing where he's saying, do we care about what's happening? Do we honestly give a damn about beyond the borders that we've created? Do we understand compassion and what other people are going through? Do we understand that there are people suffering in the world beyond our own maybe shallow suffering? So that's like a more accessible way to just start a conversation. He's asking the question. He's not being pointed and saying, it's all your fault or it's all our fault. He's just asking the question. And I think that is something that Christians have a difficult time sometimes doing. I remember having conversations with people who are really religious back around this time, and there were some people who were scared to ask questions. And I think everybody's afraid to ask certain questions at some point. You know, it's kind of like when you're in debt. Okay, well, how much debt do I have? That's a really scary question for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Because it lifts the hood and it unveils all of the truth, right? But Dustin is the type of person where he just immediately wanted to dive in to that and he wanted to find truth and like you said staring at the sun i feel like that whole song is just him searching for truth in knowledge he's looking for the answers in books and in philosophy and anything he can get his hands on and even the music video it's kind of like reflective of that he's in the library making the photocopies of everything and that's the whole video and yeah he's i'll literally go to the ends of the earth i'll touch the sun to know the truth yeah and songs like paper tigers yeah speaking to the people about you know our leaders or at least what i got from it like our leaders it's basically saying one thing and sort of it's it's sort of sleight of hand and a lot of that stuff that's completely obvious to few and not so obvious to the masses unfortunately yeah. but yeah and then i also i identified from it starts at home sometimes i think another thing i related to is like not everybody's parents get along i'm not trying to equate that maybe my folks or something had a more I had a harder time with them than somebody else did, but like everybody's got their, as a child, the way that you look up to your fo your, your parents and how they work together and how they work apart. And then sometimes you want to make, you as a kid want to sometimes bridge the gap that you can see because you're very innocent and you can see like what's sort of what's wrong, like the bigger picture before you get down into the details and yeah. then the meaning gets lost. So sometimes right. people just keep digging and digging into where it's just like, there's one thing that you just have to back up about a hundred steps and just look at the bigger picture. Starting it there, like I'm, I always wondered because I always felt similar. I had that, I wanted to maybe be the peacemaker or I was the, I ended up being the peacemaker wanting everybody to get along and wanted everybody to be positive and I didn't even like r ribbing or joking at people's expense. And if I ever did, it was for definitely for peer pressure or to try and be funny 
because it's social. It's just sort of a dopamine button. If you if people yeah. are in, you're in a group of people and you copy what they're doing because they're getting a laugh. But I never wanted. I was maybe uncomfortable to get picked on or to pick on somebody else. It just was like let's all just sure. like have fun, right? So like starting it at home and then looking at the world and then realizing it's like sort of one and the same. It's just like two people versus nations and yeah. the people who are running the nations, who are running the cities and the and then the, the homes. It's all this communication and treatment of humans, the way that we treat yeah. each other. And I think growing up like that and trying to work that out into my 30s and making peace with some things that I can't control, yeah. that you seek truth to understand like, why am I so, why does this hurt so much? It's because you're maybe a, a deep rooted something like you feel like if I would have done something, it would have changed everything. Or if I would have done, yeah. I could have done or said this. I identify that a lot in this record of sort of that megaphone and just shouting at the masses and just yeah. saying, what's, what is wrong? We have to find out what's wrong. And I think mm -hmm. you nailed it on the head. I had never thought about it in that perspective, but instead of pointing the finger, I think what makes it so effective is that it's asking us to ask the question. Yeah. It's just saying like, something's wrong and I don't know who it is. Can we just, we have to face that. And yeah, I we have to acknowledge it. At the end of the day, that's what made the record for me. Absolutely. That. It's a killer record. The lyrics are really great and poetic on illusion of safety. But I think with this one, because it was on a major label, I think he really, he wanted to say something. And the artist in the ambulance, I didn't realize this, but apparently that was influenced by a zine by a guy named Alan Bircher. And okay. he was talking about the link between... The responsibility to do good things and pivotal things if you have a voice, if you're quote unquote a famous person or if you're a famous artist and neglecting that, choosing to use your voice for good or use your influence for good. And they were wanting to go down that path with giving away a portion of their proceeds for every record that they did to a charitable organization. And they did that the was same a thing. subsidy, right? Yeah, subsidy was a, sort of a sister label to Hopeless, but they always gave away a, a certain percentage of the record sales, and I think some merch sales to charitable organizations. So I think that's probably what attracted Thrice. They also would do the Plea for Peace compilations and the tours. That's actually where I saw Thrice for the first time. They opened the Plea for Peace tour, I think in 2001. And it was funny because they opened for all these punk bands. I think the headliner was Anti-Flag, which was crazy. But to see Thrice open for these punk bands, I was just immediately, holy shit. And I had heard their song before that on a compilation. I had heard the song Identity Crisis and I immediately loved the riff at the beginning. The recording was a little iffy, like it wasn't them fully fleshed out. It was their first record. But I remember being instantly hooked by that guitar line and they were on that plea for peace tour probably because of their, the fact that they were signed to Subsidy, but also the fact that they liked having a voice that carried and they were doing influential things and they were trying to essentially give back in any way they thought they could. And that's what the artist in the ambulance is supposed to represent, sort of the nature of creating art that has meaning and that can do good things and not just be what they coined the phrase of flashing lights and sounds in the artist in the ambulance. They wanted to be more than just flashing lights and sounds like their contemporary bands who were just trying to get famous to get famous. That's not to say that they were, it was just sort of the general view of it. They wanted yeah. to do something and say something with their art. They wanted to be able to move many mountains with it. Right. And it's, I really didn't know a lot about the um, the charity thing or they'd give a portion of their record sales. I didn't know that until a little later. And, and that was always 
really touching i mean it's it's inspiring to see a a band that's sort of like let's not waver here let's we all want to do something good and let's just see let's see the course dustin kinzer had brian mcturnan who produced this record on his podcast and they had a a really meaningful conversation about the process of recording the first two records and the one thing that struck me is the type of guys that they are is that after the artist i mean writing the new record he just said like i think that if you would have decided to write another record and the artist in the ambulance vein, it would have been really successful and it would have been, they could have made it something really big, but it would have stifled their growth. They would have been ignoring that they wanted to see what's out on the outside of that to see how far they can push themselves, which I think a lot of the Radiohead influence comes in there. Like Mm -hmm. Radiohead's one of my all time favorite bands, pound for pound. I think that they, um, are fearless and i think that they're in everybody's playlist and they're in everybody's ipod for a reason because they're really versatile and they're really fearless with the music that they write and they don't give a shit about what somebody wants for them to write next and i think thrice really identified with that too yeah and i think that i'm really glad that they didn't write artists in the ambulance too you know or write another one like i don't think that they needed to i don't think that they need to remake the godfather i don't think they need to remake you know remake i mean the reboot culture is cool for what it is but the original it's never going to be it's always just a cash grab isn't it i mean it certainly can be it's so funny too because i have a lot of friends that they really wish they would have made the artist in the ambulance part too <laughs> yeah i was listening to an interview with dustin where he's happy and dustin were talking about an album and then they were talking about they sort of alienated their core audience by a little bit yeah writing not only visu but could do in the alchemy index as well and just sort of was just like sorry like sorry guys like you're and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with if something's in your wheelhouse you go for it and sure i think that dookie and and, and insomniac are i think that those two albums flow really well into each other sure um taking something that they did really well and it took that idea to another level yeah but i think with artists in the ambulance they left it all out on the table and they're just like i don't think we need to say any more than what we said and there's a lot out there that we can discover but he said that we alienated our audience and they're probably really pissed because we didn't write the artist in the ambulance part two there's that element but i also feel like you just said the word that encapsulates their whole trajectory which is fearless they were fearless at that point they knew they were going to alienate some people but i think their core fan base really dug their heels in and said i'm going to go along for the ride visu is an artistic statement clearly they were trying something different do you think that's a part of that responsibility you're talking about that might be honestly that's something that they probably were grappling with at that time they were probably thinking we we have a creative responsibility to do something different here and try to level up whatever that may be and really just establish ourselves as our own sound because in 2003 like you said there was a whole slew of bands that either came just before or just after the artists in the ambulance that were in the exact same pocket that post-hardcore poppy sound right after the artists in the ambulance you had bands like census fail blow up you had bands like hawthorne heights story of the year even to you know less extents you had BU's, my chemical romance all that stuff so they wanted to basically be a category of one they wanted to be a category of thrice deftones sounds like deftones they influenced thousands of bands but when i go back and i want to listen to deftones specifically 
I'll listen to a new Deftones record immediately. I know Chino's voice. I know that that guitar tone. I know those drums. And I think that's what Thrice wanted to do. They wanted to pull a Radiohead and be a category of one. And so they probably were thinking that they had a social or not a social, but a, a creative responsibility to do that. And ultimately, I think it probably gave them life. It gave their band legs yeah. and longevity. Because people who love Thrice really love Thrice. Right. They really appreciate all of the different shades of Thrice that there's been over the years. And that's just a really right. smart move. Well, they I did think. it for themselves. I think what the key thing there is that they did it for themselves, though. They didn't, yeah. it wasn't for their fan base or they didn't feel like well, it's our responsibility to push our fans in a different direction. It was yeah, a dude. responsibility to say, like, they took the time that they had that was afforded to them mm-hmm. by being in a band and you can make a living off of it. And instead of, you know, getting wasted and trying to be popular by high school standards or whatever, but they, they read a lot of literature. They listened mm-hmm. to a lot of music outside of their genre. Mm-hmm. They were really compassionate people. They were really true to the brotherhood that they had with each other. They were really outwardly kind to their, you know, at least from what I've read and heard, like to their management and to mm-hmm. their label and to the people that were on their team. They yeah. call them to talk about life and how they're doing as opposed to business. Yeah. And uh, there was something in, in that that was really, it just warmed my heart as far as being that diet hard thrice fan. I think the, their, their audience really respects the path that they took. Yeah. They were also raging against social injustices rather than personal slice on other emo records at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you just said is brilliant with the fact that they were scratching their own itch, their own creative itch, instead of thinking about ways to cash out and ways to be popular. It's like David Bowie has that really famous video where he's talking about, if you ever try to appease somebody else with your art, you're done. You may as well hang your hat because at the end of the day, you're going to be much more successful if you just scratch your own itch. The second you start trying to essentially imitate anybody else or even imitate an old version of yourself, you're you're through. Yeah. Well, I mean, all art just stops right there. Yeah. Well, like even just like, I appreciate you allowing me to be on this and I get so excited to talk about meaningful things like this. I start to, I've been listening to thrice and sort of reopening that they're like a uh an aged wine to me at this point um i really don't binge out on it too much but i'll open it up you know when it feels right just to let it hit me special occasions yeah and and it's (laughs) it it's helping me well with my like with bands like that i can't overdo it because it's so funny that the black and white of that statement because i just had previously said like when i find something that works i just you know after i had really listened to that record cover to cover and tried to understand it mm-hmm. i have a big thing with understanding and i think that that's what spoke to me with thrice it's like this whole record's about trying to understand something yeah. that's that's off and i think that i have a couple of wires in my brain that are uh, that in, in just like everybody does that are just a little off. And sometimes I just, I'm, I'm try to find the meaning and the beauty. And I'm sort of obsessed with sort of finding this harmony with my own life. And so it's no mistake that Thrice is in the top three, if not the, the my favorite band of all time. No question as to why this is my favorite album of all time and the reason it was so inspirational but like looking back at this stuff the last like week has been like i've started to think about my own art and what do i want to do and for the first time and it's even been covid and all this stuff but it's sort of exciting to just sometimes it finds people sooner than it sometimes it finds people later but like just allowing yourself to be an artist and allowing yourself to create and allowing yourself to love it 
and feel it and allowing yourself to take the filter off that it isn't for anyone. And I feel like they were the type of band. I don't think that they took the easy road and I don't think that they took the, cause a lot of bands can, they can cool their way through anything. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, dude. And when, when I first met you in that pocket of time, the dudes that bought into themselves, like they were something else, like this scene and this thing that they were doing, it was like, yeah, it was always a conversation about, yeah, we're, we're going to get signed and we're going to like, we're shopping and like, we got this new merch and they go, all they had to hang their hat on was the bullshit that they were doing. And, and just sort of like, sort of almost becoming that and just pulling back and being and getting some perspective like the artist in the ambulance is always a record I can go to to center myself to move forward Mm -hmm. if I've been lost for a few years to find my way back to to the artist find my way back to just pure love of instruments tone songwriting lyrics passion meaning all those really simple ingredients, I can always get back to that with the artist in the ambulance. And I think listening to it this week, getting ready to talk to you about it has been sort of like refreshing. It's yeah. been really great just because that's what that album does for me. It just centers me and it's it's just a perfect record to me. I love it, man. You found meaning in the art. That's the about. thing. Like they're finding meaning in their own creativity. And that was probably what led them to where they are and they just trusted that if they found meaning in their own creativity and meaning in their own artistic expression that they would be okay and luckily they are and now they're one of the timeless bands that is revered through different stages of their career and there's something to be said about that too like the fact that they're a perennial seller and they were able to transcend their genre yep and just expand beyond it to really wherever they want to go now if they were to put out if they were to put out a folky underground record that had 808s on it i think nobody would really bat an eye and everybody who likes thrice would give it a shot (laughs) right well that's kind of funny i think that you say that is because the thing that people do that they think that'll keep them there forever is the exact opposite being fearless and just saying i'm going to try something new and then yeah. that's how you grow. And then when you grow, you're able to be better at the process in general. So the next thing yeah. that you try, the third or fourth or fifth thing down the line, it's completely different than your first thing. It's a lot easier to get from A to Z because you've had practice being uncomfortable. Yeah. And then not only that, if you can, it's not only fulfilling if you don't make it as an artist, and I say make it with quotes, but if you didn't make, you're still happy. That's, yeah. that's set, you're setting yourself up for this, like, it's a win-win situation. When mm-hmm. I spent so much time as a as an adolescent and in my 20s and early 30s thinking that making it was this specific thing that I didn't achieve, so I failed, and it sucks. But that's bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's, it's all... It's all part of the growth. Yeah, and sometimes the growth happens late, but just I can't tell you enough how... I can't tell whoever's listening enough that it's never too late to center yourself and be creative and let your creativity, let all the outside stuff that comes with it come to you mm-hmm. as opposed to you have to reach for it and grasp at straws. Just do the thing. Just if you're an artist or you're or whatever, just create the best thing that you can. And if you want to show your friends, show your friends. And if you want to give the world an opportunity to see it, give the world an opportunity to see it. And if they want to come to you, let them come to you. And if they don't come to you, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be about that. Because if you're just putting it out there, hey, I, I just want people to enjoy this. It's an afterthought. You can right. move on with your life to something more important. And then people can come to the things that you've created. And then they can talk and can be meaningful rather than like, I made this thing and I hope people like me because of it. And yeah, I think that's what 
thrice means to me and that's what thrice helps me get back to and that's what the artist in the ambulance definitely does yeah i think you're just talking about being open to creativity for creativity's sake because that's the thing that helps human beings evolve not just with art but with the way we live our lives that's how we Mm -hmm. transcend we move along as our time on earth is still here and we're still conscious we can creatively expand and grow together and then just make art to make art that's why art is so important right absolutely but dude this is has been an epic conversation (laughs) yeah i appreciate it well before you thank you for doing it well before you close i gotta say man i think you're one of the best people i've ever met and i need the people that are listening to know to know that and i remember i was sort of saving this for the end but i remember left on northwood was we always felt like we were on the defensive because we were just a little left to center we were sort of spastic and we were finding what we did and i remember seeing the american life and i remember even with any other band that we would listen to or interact with we would at least me i would sort of be on the defensive of like if i talk to these dudes i've got to dial it up because it more or less you want people to accept you and, and you don't want, and we had gotten our share of criticism and stuff but like you were one of the only people in a group of bands that we played with that were just outwardly like hey how are you and it had nothing to do with our t-shirts had nothing <laughs> to do with our pedal boards had nothing to do with my drum set had nothing to do with the venue we were playing at or had nothing to do with the girls we were dating or the, or the, how cool we looked or whatever. It was just like, how are you? I'm Kyle. Awesome. <laughs> and it was just like, it, that stuck with me. And I, and I think that when we crossed paths at that, was it thrice in Circa? I think it was. Yeah. I think when we crossed paths again, you, you let me know that you had the business that you currently are doing. Yeah. And I think that it was inevitable that I gave you a call again. Cause you always stuck with me as a person that was, they cared about people. So I want you to know that. And I think, and, and you're a meaningful part of my life. So I appreciate you allowing me to talk shop with you. Dude, thanks so much, man. I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, you're definitely one of the best people I've ever encountered as well. And I really appreciate our friendship. I always love talking music with you because you're so passionate about it. And that's the fun part about this whole thing is just being able to talk shop and talk music and talk these pivotal albums that I think I discovered more about this album today than I ever thought I would. And it's such an important record in my repertoire. You know, I've been listening to this record now for 17 years. I'll probably be listening to it until I'm 80. But dude, I really appreciate the kind words. It means a lot. And I'm glad I wasn't such a douchebag back then because I feel like... (laughs) You always think back on who you were before well, that's a, that's you became thing, who Kyle. you are now. <laughs> I, th- I think I think I was that douchebag, and then I met people like you, and then I was just like, okay, I, I can I can dial it down. I don't have to be the dude that you think that you got to be to be in in the scene and stuff. Yeah. So dude, it's people we, like we, you that make the world through, go around. Yeah, we all go through varying degrees. I remember in game time, I was always kind of known as the standoffish one because I'm a classic introvert and I had a difficult time. It was almost like a defense mechanism. I wasn't super outgoing or outwardly expressive then. And my other bandmates were. So they were very, they were known for their extrovertedness. And, and Nick is the type of person where he has to be in a group of people. Like that's just how he thrives. But I think some people saw the difference in me and they almost felt like I had the chip on my shoulder or I thought I was better than everybody else or something. So it's, it's interesting how you have different interactions with people and there's different perceptions out there about you at certain different phases of your life and things like that. But 
No, yeah. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate the fact that we've been able to cultivate this relationship over the last couple of years now. And it's just been a lot of fun. And I think I learned a lot of things from you and it's cool, you know, just to kind of like reminisce about local scenes and then, you know, just talking music and everything. I really appreciate it. We should do this again. If there's another record you want to do a deep dive on or talk about, let's get on the phone. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. Right. How Metallica started it all. That's the next one. <laughs> Dude, they really did. That's the thing we were talking about under a killing moon. When I hear that riff, it is just as important as an inner Sandman or master of puppets. Yeah. Those riffs just connect to us and become Absolutely. a part of us. But yeah, dude, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Do you have any plans for the, the remainder of the weekend? I'm going to relax before Good. I got to go back to the craziness of work. But man, it's been a pleasure and I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I want to win.